Kia everybody, it's so good to be back here recording another episode for you guys. Now a bit of a disclaimer, this is the second time that I'm recording this podcast, <laughs> the joys of technology. Um, I actually recorded it last, about a week ago, and I hadn't saved, I'd be doing all this editing and I hadn't saved it in ages and then I just hit save, um, and then GarageBand unexpectedly quit. But I was like, oh, thank goodness, like I just saved it, it'll still be there. But when I opened it back up, actually the majority of the tracks were missing. And I was so gutted, but um, yeah, I'm sure it happened for a reason. Maybe I said something in there that shouldn't have been, or um, there were parts that I missed out that, that'll magically appear in there today. So that's all right, everything happens for a reason. Um... So I just like to start by giving you guys a little life update. We, um, we as in my family, Dylan and me and Fern, have actually just moved house. So hence why there's been a bit of a break in getting a podcast out and because I, <laughs> because I, this is the second time recording this one. Um, yeah, our time ran up in our Piha house and we were definitely gutted to leave because it was the most amazing spot and just to be a five minute walk from the beach and all these beautiful bush trails uh, was so amazing but at the same time it felt right to be finishing up there and moving on and we are now living out at Dylan's dad's place. Um, He has a beautiful rural property up north so we're north instead of west now but yeah it's just um, our main thing was we just couldn't imagine going back and living in the city again so it's really nice to still be on some beautiful land we've got big gardens here we've just started planting up um, and pretty close to some nice east coast beaches so yeah um, I'm trying to think <laughs> I'm trying to think what I said in the last time I recorded this of the update oh yeah um in terms of Fern she's doing really well she is three months exactly today actually on the day I'm recording this because it is the full moon the Rakanui tonight and we chose her godmother it was actually a little while ago now maybe a month ago um but it was so exciting because it's one of our really good friends Lucy and she, oh, she's just the most wonderful, amazing woman, um, as is. But then also during my whole pregnancy, she was just really supportive and so caring and there for me, giving me massages. And she organized a surprise blessing way for me, which um, meant so much. And yeah, she's she's just so great with little Fern. And we, we asked her to be her godmother. Just to be, um, kind of just be the extra set of eyes watching out over Fern. And uh, Lucy just has so much wisdom and is so grounded. And um, yeah, we just love for her to pass all of that on to Fern as well. So yeah, if you're listening, Lucy, there's your little shout out. <laughs> um, yeah, there's mainly what's been going on. The move was quite a mission. Poor old Dylan. Um, did most of the work because I was just looking after Fern but yeah we got here in the end so the topic for today I've been really looking forward to this one I um I kind of sat down to try and record this one day and I hadn't done much planning and I realized well this is actually a massive topic so I sat down and did plan it out properly because uh, I wanted to make sure that I was including everything but so today I'm going to be talking about home births 
Now, just before I kind of get into my thoughts on it, I just wanted to share um, this about this really great blog post that I read the other day. Now, it's from the lady's, uh, a lady's website. I think her name is M. Her website is Raising Ziggy. You might follow her on Facebook already or have heard of her. And um, I just stumbled across her only a few weeks ago, but I was so stoked that I did because um, oh, it's just one of those pages that you just kind of click with everything she's saying. And I just, yeah, it just really resonated with me. And I loved how honest, so honest she is. And um, yeah, pretty hilarious at the same time. And she has information about baby wearing and baby led weaning. Um, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she just writes some really great posts. Oh, and has lots of informative video. Oh, and cloth nappies um, she talks about too. And on her Facebook page, she's got lots of good videos. And yeah, one of them really helped me learn how to adjust my carrier that I'm currently using with Fern a bit better and showed me how to breastfeed in it and that's oh, always a bonus so thank you M for your blog because it's awesome but the post that I want to talk about um, was titled information sharing is not parent shaming and uh, it was just really good timing that I happened to be reading this and so here's a little bit of what she said for example, the Ministry of Health website clearly states that women who gave birth at home or in a birthing center or small maternity unit are more likely to have a normal birth than those who give birth in hospital. However, this does not mean that you're shit if you gave birth in hospital. Um, so that was a little part of her blog post and this just really resonated with me because... Um, I feel like that sort of information can often be taken the wrong way and I'm probably guilty of it myself as well but when sharing alternative views like I'm going to be doing today and pretty much like my whole podcast is going to be it's not saying that if you don't do these things or if you do things differently that you're wrong or you're not doing things right it's not saying that at all this is simply me sharing my perspective in sharing what works for me and that's not going to be the same for everyone but just also the fact that there's no shaming involved or implying yeah just that anyone has done anything wrong I just want to share this information because I believe that it can help some people out there so yeah I just wanted to <clears throat> to get that out of the way at the start and also um, I really distinctly remember my mum when I shared with her that I really wanted to have a home birth. Um, she got quite worried, as mothers tend to do. Um, I guess just because it's not the normal... Well, hospitals seem like a safe place, right? So I think she was worried because birthing at home doesn't seem like a safe place. And, and I can understand why she has that perception, and a lot of people do. But what I, um, what I remember her saying is, oh, but if, if things are going wrong, you would go to hospital, wouldn't you? And I was just like, of course, like, I'm not, I'm not silly. Like, I don't want, I want to be healthy. Of course I want my baby to be healthy. Like, if things are going downhill or 
um, yeah, it's more than the midwife can handle, of course we will go to hospital because that's what they're there for. So obviously if you need medical assistance, a hospital is the perfect place to be and it saved many mothers and babies and we are so fortunate to have access to that care when we need it. So yeah, just stating I am not against hospitals, home birthers are not against hospitals. We just know about this other option and uh, as you'll hear a little bit later on, I actually believe it's a much safer place um, in certain scenarios for giving birth. So, yes. All right. So, you're pregnant. You're going to give birth. Most people probably wouldn't even... Actually, I can't really... I can't really say that. I can't really speak for for everybody. But in my experience, I think a lot of people just instantly go straight to, yep, yeah, you have your baby in a hospital because that's the most common and that's that's what we know. I don't, before I had my home birth, and before I joined the home birth um, support group, I don't know if I knew anyone who'd done a home birth. Oh, one of my aunties did. Um, but yeah, that was obviously well before I was born and yeah I didn't know anyone so it's definitely um, in the minority and probably I think it's probably still seen as quite hippie and alternative but yeah so I just wanted to put it out there you're, that you do have a choice of where you birth because I think some people just go straight to yeah I'm birthing in a hospital so hence what this whole episode is going to be about today so yes you can birth in a hospital your other options are there is obviously a home birth and then in between the two is the option of a birthing center and so it's a bit of a mix of um, of home birth and hospital so you do have um, some medical support there if some extra medical support there if you need uh, and I think it's usually pretty close to a hospital so transfer would be super quick if that became necessary, but it's a bit more homely and a bit more private than a hospital. I don't actually know a ton about them. I think that that's correct. You can look into them more if that sounds like a good option for you. And for some people, that's a great option. Maybe you're going, oh, I love the idea of a home birth, but that just scares me a bit too much. And so a birthing center is going to be the right place for me. And that's awesome. Whatever feels best for you is the right option. There's also an, a, a, a sneaky fourth option, which is having a nature birth, just for anybody <laughs> um, who that resonates with. I think it sounds awesome. Didn't really uh, appeal for having a baby in the middle of winter, but um, yeah, just go out into your backyard, head into the bush, have your baby. Sounds, ve- yeah, probably the most natural and beautiful way it could happen. So those are your options. But what I always, oh, and I, sh- I should say in terms of having a home birth, that uh, that's only, it's usually the best option if mum and baby are both healthy with no complications in the pregnancy. So if you've got some complications, um, your midwife might just recommend that the hospital is the safest place for you. And then that's great. You know that um, you will be well looked after there. But yeah, I always, I just really want to emphasize that the best choice for you is where you will feel the most comfortable and safe. If you go, oh, I want to do a home birth because I've heard about these benefits, but 
you're actually really anxious about it, then that's not going to be the best place for you because if you're anxious, your labor is not going to, possibly not going to go smoothly because that stress and anxiety is going to slow things down. So it's where you feel the most comfortable and safe. And nobody else's opinion should matter. Right? It's where you want to birth. Okay, so why am I so massive on advocating for home births? Actually, when when I discovered I was pregnant, straight away I knew I wanted a home birth. And it was actually before I knew all of these benefits. And yeah, I can't even explain it. It wasn't even really a choice that I thought about and made. It was just really um, instinctive. I just knew that for me, that's where I wanted to birth at home um, in that comfortable, beautiful, uh, homely place was going to be best for me. But since deciding that and going along this journey, I've actually found out that there are some really, really great benefits of choosing a home birth. And that's what I want to share with you guys now. So the main reason is that home births can often lead to less complications and medical intervention. This is a big one, you guys, because nobody wants medical intervention unless it's necessary, right? And I thought this quote described it really well, that hospitals take excellent care of sick patients, but do less well for healthy patients with routine pregnancies, largely in the form of turning to medical interventions more than strictly necessary. So have a bit of a think about that one. If you if you need that extra help, the hospital is the best place to be. But if you've had a really healthy pregnancy, your healthy baby's healthy, then yeah, it's not necessarily going to be the best place for you. Because once you um, have one medical intervention, it can often lead to another and another and another. So... For example, induction, so that's when your labor is artificially started, right? And this can be done in a variety of ways, some more natural than others. Um, You know, you can, I think it's called, you can get like the stretch and sweep or you can actually get, uh, get given synthetic hormones, probably of oxytocin, I guess, to start the labor. Um... But induction is actually the procedure that is responsible for initiating a cascade of interventions that often leads to a caesarean section, usually because your baby is not ready to be born. Now, if you just actually stop and think about that, like it makes so much sense, right? If you are starting that process of labor before baby chooses that it's ready to come out, then naturally there's going to be complications and actually that um, leads me onto the topic of due dates and I understand why we have them but I think people get so hung up on that date and we just need to let go of that it's just it's a really great indicator for you'll probably give birth around about this time but um, the big thing is that I think people worry when they start getting over 40 weeks but really unnecessarily so. And I think it's because 
a lot of that thinking comes from the due date and so as soon as we go past that date all of a sudden you're overdue and it's seen as a bad thing and you kind of start worrying about like oh is baby okay but baby will come out when baby is ready and your body is so amazing and your baby is so amazing and they work together and they will let you know and they will start the process when they're ready and up to 42 weeks is usually totally fine if baby and mum are both well then that's fine it just means baby's not ready to come out yet and my midwife even had um, a couple of clients uh, a little bit before um, I had Fern who even went over 43 weeks they were like 43 weeks and a couple of days and they were totally fine Um, so I, I actually asked my midwife I said what would you do um, if that were to happen to me and she said up to 42 weeks absolute, up to the start of 43 weeks she is absolutely fine waiting because she trusts you and your body again as long as you're both healthy and then from 43 weeks she'd just start watching really closely and would probably come and check every day and yeah so just monitoring and checking things are fine but sometimes that's just how long baby takes and you know, your date of your last period might have been a little bit off. There's just so many factors in there. So yeah, don't get caught up on that due date. Um, trust your body and trust your baby. Oxytocin is um, a really important hormone during labor. And this is the same hormone that is produced during sex as well. And if you're in stressful conditions, oxytocin is not produced. And my midwife always used to say that you want your birthing conditions to replicate the conditions that you made baby in. For example, like a nice, quiet, private, um, dark, safe place. And that just made so much sense to me. And for me, a hospital definitely wasn't that. And so if you're feeling stressed out, this oxytocin isn't going to be produced. And then your labor can completely slow down or even stop. So say, for example, you were choosing to have a hospital birth and you're at home or you're out or wherever and you realize that you're going into labor. Um actually just to clarify it doesn't happen like this okay I had this picture in my head of I'm having a home birth so probably for like the month around my due date I need to stay at home because when my labor starts I want to be at home I don't want to have to travel home to have my baby I want to be there and I just had this image in my head of of it just all happening so quickly like labor starts and all of a sudden it's so intense and then I just have my baby so just to clarify for anybody else who's listening who has that same um idea is it's not like that at all I mean you can have really fast labors but there's usually signs leading up to it like I started getting uh well for me actually my waters broke but not like a massive pop in a big burst like they do in the movies there must have just been a little tear or something and the liquid was just slowly leaking out. So that whole day that I was just getting this slow leak of um, the fluid. And so I had 
all day to prepare for the fact that I was going into labor and then the um, contractions slowly started and they were just small and quite far apart and then became more intense. So usually you've got quite a bit of warning. Um, I've gone off on a tangent and I don't remember where I came from. Ah, yes. Okay. <laughs> so say you were planning on birthing in hospital and your labor has got into the stage where it's time for you to go in even just the process of having to pick up your things hop in a car drive to a hospital hopefully you you wouldn't be driving (laughs) um but you know be driven to hospital and so you've been taken out of your safe environment you've gone through all this traffic lots of other cars around so much going on you get to a busy hospital bright lights noisy people everywhere and all random strangers um that it's not surprising that a lot of people's labors actually slow down or yeah even come to a halt because your oxytocin is going to stop being produced if you're finding those conditions stressful and again not everybody will um but I think that that happens quite often so by staying at home you can avoid that whole process and you can allow that oxytocin just to keep building the way it should. These hormones that get produced in labor, honestly, they're so amazing. I don't know all the ins and outs of the details, but there's so many and they all work together so beautifully. Um, they, Yeah, just one comes in, one goes all at the right time. Um, they give you, you know, pain relief when you need. They, oh, just do amazing things your body is so incredible and you don't have to do any of this you don't have to think about it your body just does it for you so yeah by staying at home um, and another big thing you can do is keeping this space really dark so I went into labor um, into active labor a bit after midnight Uh, So it was dark then, but Dylan put um, some curtains up or some tapestries up over the windows, the big windows that we had, uh, which was lucky because it did actually go into the morning. I had fern at 10 a.m. And if it had started started getting really bright and light, I can imagine that would have just fully pulled me out of um, this kind of trance that I went into. So to explain that a bit more, um, you'll hear I'm going to play Dylan sharing uh, his description of our birth story at the end of this episode, and you'll hear him mention how um, how I just went completely inwards. It was it was a really buzzy experience because I'd heard about this concept of um, so during labour you want to get your thinking brain out of the way you want to switch that off you want to get out of there you want to get down into your body and just trust and let your body do its thing you don't need to think about it your body knows what to do and so Dylan knew things like that he wasn't to be asking me lots of questions because that would pull me up into my thinking brain but yeah naturally like I didn't even choose to do this it just happened I just completely closed down I actually closed my eyes and had them closed the whole entire 10 hours of labor (laughs) and I remember opening them like just like obviously when Fern was born and 
like after I'd kind of taken Fern and I remember looking up and looking around and being like oh hi everybody (laughs) because I just hadn't acknowledged that the midwife the backup midwife I hadn't acknowledged that anybody was there I was just so focused on my labor that whole time but so yeah the dark conditions um, enabled me to keep producing that oxytocin and stay in that state uh, which ultimately helps your labor just progress as naturally as it should so I found some um, a really interesting example on the Home Birth Aotearoa website and it's a flow diagram showing how one intervention can then lead to another and another and another um, and the outcomes um, and impacts of those interventions and the really sad thing is that the first one might not have even been necessary and so this is the big thing about um actually no I'll talk about that in a moment (laughs) so let me give you an example from this flow chart it so say you started by getting induced that's the first thing so you you weren't progressing um no sorry maybe you had gone over 40 weeks or over your due date and so you're going oh no something's wrong let's go into hospital and get induced because surely my baby should have come out by now. So you get induced, um, that starts your labor, but then because that wasn't, <clears throat> because that was a, um, it wasn't a natural induction, your body just isn't going to be working with its natural rhythms of labor. So then you might have something which is called failure to progress. So your labor, maybe it's started, but then it's um, slowed down or stopped for whatever reason. So that happens and then baby's been in there too long. Maybe baby starts getting a bit distressed. Then that leads to a C-section. Then after that, maybe baby's going to be separated from you maybe they're premature so um, then that leads to reduced bonding because you don't get baby on your chest straight away you don't get that beautiful skin to skin magic bonding Um, their first memories of life are going to be in some strangers gloved hands getting goodness knows what's done to them Um, and then because you've had that reduced bonding that might lead to difficulties with breastfeeding Um, from having a c-section you've probably been administered antibiotics so that's affecting your gut and your baby's gut and not giving them um, the best start that they could have so yeah so the reason that um, that these procedures happen really commonly in hospitals is that Doctors need to have these averages to go off, right? Like, for example, labor should take this long, and if it takes any longer, that they need to intervene. And it's always better to err on the side of precaution, right? You know, they're wanting to keep mum and baby and everybody safe. But I think the problem is that this has been taken too far um, and that we're jumping in too quickly, So an advantage of birthing at home is that you don't have to stick to those arbitrary time constraints that hospitals need to run by. Your midwife can just really focus on your individual case because we're all so different, right? Some, you know, labors can be such um, a big variety 
um, sorry, they can be so different in length, really short, really long, somewhere in between. And your midwife can just actually, yeah, stop and look at your particular individual case and are constantly monitoring, checking you're okay, checking baby's okay. And they can just, yeah, they can just work off what they're actually seeing and what's actually going on, not, oh, women usually take this long to um, for this first stage of labor. Women usually take this long for the second stage of labor. And I'll talk about at the end, um, I actually have a really good example of that with my birth, where if I'd been in hospital, they most likely would have jumped in and intervened and that would have caused me um, unnecessary complications but because I was birthing at home that didn't happen Um, yeah and I understand that they also need to keep things moving and efficient right like they've surely got a bunch of uh, a lot of surgeries lined up so if you're getting a cesarean section they want to just kind of get you done as quickly as possible so the next they can get the next person in to help right and so I think that's why practices like um, cutting the umbilical cord straight away have become such common practice and again these are benefits of birthing at home because you can just you slow completely slow down away from the need to just keep things moving efficiently. Some other just, um, I'll just quickly mention some other brief benefits of birthing at home. Um, but if you do want to know more, go to their Aotearoa Home Birth website. They've got really great information on there. But um, things just like, yeah, what I was talking about just before, allowing your labor and birth to happen in your time away from those rigid routines and um, expected time frames that they go by in hospitals. Another benefit is that you can have you fully get to choose who you want to have there. So for example, for me, I didn't, I wanted as few people as possible at my birth. I just felt it was something really private for me. Obviously I wanted Dylan there, um, my midwife who Uh, I completely trusted and felt comfortable around I wanted her there and I knew there would be a backup midwife but that was it we didn't have anybody else there so um, in a hospital you don't really have that choice maybe you can um, maybe you can monitor who comes in and out but I think there's a much higher likelihood of more people being there and yeah people that you don't necessarily know and trust also, if you um, already have other children that you'd like to be involved uh, with the birth or to, to observe the birth, which I think is so beautiful for um, one sibling to see another sibling being birthed and to just actually physically see and understand that process, um, you have the ability to easily do that um, if you're birthing at home, which is really great. And also, um, I just want to quickly talk about the benefit of using a birthing pool. And again, this is easiest if you're at home. Although I think some um, some birthing units, you can get them. So again, another great option. But when I heard about water births, I, ca- I think I kind of just thought they were for people who loved the water and were just absolute water babies. And so they wanted to give birth to their baby in water but what I found out is that they're actually used for natural pain management and it's really amazing because yeah just because of the hot water and I completely had this experience um, was that as soon as I hopped into the pool 
I just felt so much better and Dylan said that he noticed that um, not necessarily that my contractions got less intense but that I was able to handle them a lot better so yeah it truly did help with that pain management and I just was able to get a lot more comfortable in the pool than I had been out of the pool I remember I was standing by the toilet and I was just I was just so uncomfortable but yeah so for me being in the pool was really really amazing I stayed in there the whole whole entire time um, once it had been set up um gave birth to fern in the water and hung out in the air for probably another half an hour after and yeah then eventually got out oh how's everybody doing i told you this was a big topic but hopefully it's all really interesting and helpful information so the next kind of point that i wanted to make was something I've been thinking a lot about recently and it's that as women we have kind of lost faith in the natural ability of our bodies to do what they were made for which you know let's be honest is growing and birthing a child like that's what our bodies are perfectly set up to do and I think the reason behind this is that we've let fear kind of take over and rule and scare us into thinking that medical professionals know our body better than we do. And again, this is not saying anything bad about medical professionals. When we need that extra help, they are the perfect people for it. They're specialists in that area. But you are the specialist in knowing your own body best. And yeah, I I can't put my finger on what what it is exactly, where that change happened and and why. But yeah, I just think a lot of people have that view that um, we need medical help to bring a baby into this world. And again, if you have complications, then yes, you do. But if you're um, if you're healthy, then you do not you possibly don't even need any assistance at all and I'm not recommending that like definitely have your midwife there to help um but our bodies know exactly what to do and I just can't emphasize that enough because because I have 100% experienced it like I had my thinking brain had nothing to do with any process of giving birth to my baby it was a hundred percent my body just doing its thing and it's because I got out of the way and allowed it um allowed that to happen that I had a really smooth natural birth and the term for this is actually um a physiologic birth and basically that just means that you understand the the power of the innate human capacity of um, a woman's body and the baby to work together to bring baby into this world. So, yeah, I just think that's so beautiful and a an important point to make that some people maybe haven't even thought about. Or yeah, I think it's just something that's been forgotten and left behind and not talked about enough. So if you're if you're kind of feeling that way, like you don't you don't trust your body to do its job, I would really encourage you now, whether you're pregnant or even if you're not pregnant, but just plan on having children one day, just to start kind of uh, meditating over that and just really manifesting that and tuning in with your body and just realizing the amazing 
potential um, it has to birth a child because yeah it 100% knows what to do and it's the most amazing miracle (laughs) so I wanted to talk about some stigmas around having a home birth and um one of the things that I had in my head was that a home birth would be really messy like there would just be blood and bodily fluids and water and just poo and whatever everywhere I just pictured there being the biggest mess and so in my preparation leading up to my birth I um, gathered quite a bit of gear like towels and drop sheets and plastic tarps and everything to put down and cover the spaces especially because we were renting and I didn't want to make a mess anywhere and I got spare pillowcases and um, a mattress protector for the bed and I was so amazed after actually going through the experience myself about how little mess there was and I think it helped that I stayed in in the pool the whole time but literally there was maybe like a little bit of water got splashed out the side of the pool but there were towels around there and a waterproof um, mat so that didn't matter and then in the pool I just pictured there being so much blood and gunk and oh I don't even know what but at the end after having fern the water was still pretty much like 95 clear and just normal there were little blobs of of um of unknowns floating around and um maybe I can't even remember maybe if there was some blood it was the tiniest but and I remember my midwife commenting afterwards that that is the sign of a really healthy um physiological birth that that's what it should look like. There shouldn't be all this mess and extra bleeding and whatnot. So it showed that I was really healthy and that baby was really healthy. So that was cool to see. And then I just got out of the pool, eventually um, just walked a couple of steps, hopped onto the couch, which they just put um, they just put a sheet over that. And then I had a plastic um, pad thing under where I was sitting because obviously I was still bleeding and yeah that was it and then that was cleaned up afterwards I had a shower I hopped into bed so there was just literally no mess so if you're worried about that that's not something you need to be massively worried about of course there'll be a little bit you're having a baby but nothing like I imagined the other interesting thing is uh whenever we would share with people that we were having a home birth the biggest reply we probably got was oh you're so brave um and I actually think it's quite funny because in my mind I was probably (laughs) probably going I actually think you're brave for having uh, a hospital birth when I was speaking to um somebody who'd shown that who'd chosen that option but yeah you just need to not worry about what other people think and like I said my mum she's so supportive of all my choices but she does often doesn't understand them <clears throat> and it definitely got to me for a while and it made me question like oh is this is home the safest place to have my baby but um luckily I got there in the end and realized that yes for me it is and I need to not let her worries and her opinion <coughs> affect my plans 
and what's best for me. So yeah, make sure you're doing what's right for you. Whew. Okay, another breather, quick smoothie break. <laughs> mm. All right. Okay, this is something that I really wanted to include in this podcast. So when you choose to do things a bit differently and have a home birth or so, say you've planned a home birth and you end up being transferred to hospital, there's this big thing around that you can feel like a failure. And I definitely had these thoughts myself. I really tried not to dwell there and worry about it too much, but they definitely crossed my mind where I was just really aware that I told everybody I was having a home birth. And so if things didn't go to plan, if there were complications and I didn't birth at home, I was like, oh man, that'll be so embarrassing that that everybody's going to kind of be like, haha, like told you so, like that's not a good idea, that's not a good plan, that's not a good place to have a baby. And I really want to try and just get rid of that way of thinking because oh, you're just, if that has happened to you, you are absolutely not a failure. Um Oh, it's just like a silly societal um, conception that, mm, I don't even know how to explain it, but yeah, if if things don't go as planned, they don't go as planned. Like, the, you know, there's only so much planning you can do and at some stage you just have to let go and give in to what is happening and if that means going into hospital, then you've 100% made the best choice. <clears throat> to keep yourself and your baby safe and that should be commended more than anything right and oh, I just can't imagine it's just the last thing that a new mum needs is to feel that way and maybe it's just coming from from them like just feeling uh hmm, how to describe it <sighs> maybe it's your own insecurities thinking that and making yourself feel that way but I really felt like other people would have viewed me as a failure. So yeah, if this has happened to you, please, please, please don't feel that way about yourself. Because you brought a baby into this world, whichever way it happened, you have grown and birthed a baby. And that's just the most amazing thing ever. And you should be so proud of yourself and just, oh, just soak up that time with your little one. How it happened doesn't really uh, it's not it's not the most important part, right? And my midwife always used to say that you've got your plan A, um, your ideal uh, your ideal best laid plans and this is this is what my perfect birth would be and it's really important to have that as it's important to have your backup plans and options for if uh, complications do arise. But focus on that plan A. But she used to say that plan B stands for plan baby. And it means that actually you're not in control anymore. Your baby is choosing how they want to or how they need to come into this world. And for some people, um, that is through a C-section or it, or it is just a slightly different way. And that's fine. At the end of the day, we just want mum and baby to be safe and healthy. Um, and on our home birth support page, somebody left this comment, which I thought was really beautiful and wanted to read out, that um, she said that, when hopes and plans do not come to pass we have compassion for you we are so very sorry that your plans to birth in your home did not happen or that your birth turned to shit 
or that you now have trauma in your life. You are and always will be a part of our home birth community. You are and always will be home birthers. So I thought that was really beautiful because yeah, just especially in that scenario, if you planned a birth at home, you end up giving birth in hospital and you're thinking, I can't, I can't call myself a home birther because that didn't happen. But the fact that you had that intention and that plan and that's where um, the space that felt right to you initially, that that means that you are that. Um, yeah, so don't let anybody take away from you the amazing, amazing process you just went through of birthing your baby, however it happened. Okay, so sending love to you, especially if you're kind of going through that. Um, yeah, if that, I really recommend working on healing that trauma if something traumatic did happen in your birth, or even if just, even if plans just didn't go the way you wanted them to. Just do your best to release that. Don't let that stagnate um, in your body because you don't need that. You are amazing. Whew, okay, we're almost there. Um, a little bit about my birthing plan. So like I said, uh, it's so important to have all your options covered before you go into your labor just so that you can feel prepared and not have to worry and yeah so we had a written birth plan which I assume most people would do um so it was down on paper I was able to let it go (coughs) out excuse me I was able to let it go out of my head but know that it was there um if we needed it and I just wanted to share a couple of things that I put into it that um yeah, maybe it would be really good for you to think about and uh, if you're writing a birth plan to include in yours just to um, just to make sure that you're, just remember that you're in charge, that you, um, yeah, that you have the power for the labor to go the way you want it to, like I said, up to, up to a certain extent. So make sure you've got everything you want done in that birth plan. So an example of something we wrote was, and this was quite a main one, was that I would appreciate that the health of mother and baby, rather than arbitrary time limits or expected patterns of labor and or birth, are the determinants for consideration of any interventions or transfer to hospital. Now a midwife was really on board and just so in the same way of thinking and understood exactly um, our wishes for the birth but you've always got to got to be prepared for the fact that maybe she won't be available maybe it's another midwife so that was a really important statement for us to have in there that um, kind of what I was talking about earlier that we are individuals and that please go by what is happening in this situation right here and right now and only intervene or transfer to hospital when absolutely necessary Uh, One of our big ones was to only have the cord clamped and cut when all the blood has transferred to the baby and it stops pulsating. Mm. Um, That if... Oh, I kind of had a whole section of if a caesarean... (laughs) Sorry. If a caesarean section becomes necessary... Uh, that um, it was really important to me that baby receives 
those natural microbes from the vagina. So to do a swab of that fluid and to rub them over baby when baby is born because uh, those microbes are so important for um, giving baby a good coating for their um, gut bacteria. And so if you have a C-section, they usually miss out on that. So that was something that was really important to me to give um, baby the best start to life. Uh, I also said that even if I had a C-section that I did not want to be given any antibiotics um, or for my baby to have any antibiotics. So yeah, and things like the delayed cord clamping, um, even things like if baby needed to be taken away once baby was birthed for some extra care that either myself or if I wasn't able to, that Dylan was to accompany her. I just... It was like my worst nightmare just to imagine baby being whisked away and just having no, um, just knowing that, oh, sorry, (laughs) Um, having baby whisked away and just being in a stranger's arms without anybody that she knew close by or holding her. So yeah, I said if possible for me or Dylan to be holding her to have that beautiful skin on skin contact while any procedures were being done, that if possible, that would be the ideal situation. Alright you guys, I think that is all that I wanted to say about home births. Let's get I kinda get really like swept up when I'm in the <laughs> in the middle of it explaining something I'm so passionate about. So yeah, I hope it all made sense. Um and that I got across all all the main points that I wanted to and hopefully you're all gonna have home births now. <laughs> like I said, wherever feels best for you is the best place for you to birth but yeah just wanted to get some more information out there about why home births can be so beneficial beneficial just especially um yeah how you can have you can um stop that potential unnecessary cascade of interventions happening so I'm going to um play now Dylan sharing the home birth story that he wrote of um, my birth of Fern and when you're listening to it uh, I have a really good example of um, managing to skip an intervention so my second stage of labor the um, the pushing stage for me it went on quite long so it was three hours in total and I didn't realize it at the time but that was a lot longer than a a normal labor and my midwife actually said to me after that she'd been quite worried that a normal pushing stage would be kind of like around max two hours and so once it kind of crossed over that she started um just watching a bit more closely and checking everything was okay but the the cool thing was that um so she was doing lots of checking baby with the ultrasound and checking baby's heartbeat baby was so strong and doing so well so because she had that um she had that knowledge and that data she was able to just allow me to keep going because she she could see that I was fine or she I think she checked I think she checked my pulse as well maybe a couple of times <clears throat> and she kept checking in and baby was fine so she was allow um 
she was able to allow me to just continue doing my thing, allow my body to continue doing its thing and pushing baby out. Whereas if I'd been in a hospital, quite possibly after that, two, uh, once I crossed that two hour line, um, they might have jumped in and either I might have been whisked off for a C-section or uh, they might have given me and I'm going to say this word wrong, episiotomy, <laughs> where they give you um, a quick snip and just make the opening a little bit bigger for baby to come out or used a vacuum, a suction to help. Um, and Dylan told me after that the backup midwife had actually been setting up some instruments for an episiotomy. So yeah, it's just a really good example of um, how they were prepared and of course the midwives would intervene if it got to that stage if it was necessary to keep us both healthy but because we were both doing fine I was just able to keep going and also my midwife was really great in offering more natural options like uh, changing position to see if that helped baby to come out instead of just jumping to these medical interventions so yeah listen out for that uh, in the story, it's a really good example. Yay, home births. I just, I can't recommend it enough. And, oh, like, what's better than having your baby and just being able to walk a couple of steps into your bedroom, snuggle up in bed. You've got all your familiar things around you. You've got all your food in the kitchen. Um, oh, it was just so good, you guys. <laughs> all right. Enjoy the birth story and hopefully come out to you guys again with a podcast in a week or so oh and also just remember that you can find me on instagram at crunchy mama that's m-a-m-a for the mama same as the podcast title i've been doing a little bit of posting on there you can check out my website crunchymamapodcast.co.nz and yeah either of those platforms are great for contacting me on if you if you ever have any questions about something you've heard you just want to know a bit more information or you'd like me to clarify something or even if you disagree with something I've heard I would um sorry disagree with something I've said I would love to hear any of that from you guys or if you've got some questions or a topic that you want me to cover on this podcast I'm more than happy to look into that so yeah please get in touch if you um would like to and yeah I think that's it all right sending lots of love to you all thanks so much for listening bye all I can say whilst I lie on the ground next to the couch that my two girls are sleeping on is that this all feels like a dream to be honest I'm exhausted so everything seems extremely surreal right now yesterday there were two of us now there are three so I don't think I can quite comprehend this reality right now, but it also feels absolutely normal. And God, I love her. Let's start from the beginning. Rosalie's due date was on the 27th of July. And on this morning, woke up to some tightenings and a small, steady flow of fluid. Keep in mind, only 5% of births fall on their due date. So I decided to head into work for a bit whilst Rosalie potter around home unable to do much because of the steady stream of liquid which we would come to know was a slow leak from an amniotic sac. Now another thing, the 28th of July was a smorgasbord of celestial events. 
a full moon with a lunar eclipse and Mars is at its closest since 2003. So for the birth to fall on this due date and then these events seemed like a long shot. But I had a gut feeling this would be the case. Whilst Rosie seemed very happy planning stuff like the weekend would pass by like every other. I got home around 5.30pm to not much change from the morning. So I made a yum dinner from leftovers and then I cleaned and set the space while Rosalie started showing signs of going inwards. At around 9pm, Rosalie jumped into bed and I followed her an hour later after vacuuming and reading Rosalie's labour notes, i.e. light candles. As soon as I got into bed, Rosalie started having real full-on contractions, where she would go into the bathroom, have a contraction and do a poo. As these escalated, she saw signs of a show. She visibly began to experience a lot more pain shown by her loud wails and cries. The first major one of these had me quite upset. There's really something hard about seeing your partner be in such a horrific pain where all you can do is offer support. In fact, it almost made me cry and think, I really can't do this alone. This changed when I did a quick meditation asking for the universe to support me with the necessary energy to guide Rosalie through her labor. By around 12 to 1am, Rosalie had gone primal completely inside herself. Only replying with shakes and nods even if, she was, even if she answered at all. By this time she was positioned on her hands and knees with her knee on the toilet seat and her arms supporting her over chair. This is a time of extremely long painful contractions and a lot of poo. Into the toilet. <laughs> I decided at this time it was time to set up the pool. I laid down on top and got pumping while simultaneously running to Rosalie's aid whenever she called my name for support. With the pool up, it was time to put the liner on, which with the pool fully pumped didn't fit. I got a tiny bit stressed out and hot at this point because I realized I had put the liner on the wrong way. Half deflating the pool and rearranging the cover and pumping up again, we were ready. So I hooked up the tap and water started flowing in. Now, although Rosalie had tightenings all day, it seemed at around 3am that it was time to call the midwife, so I did, only to be told to measure them and call back. Them being the contractions. Three, 45 plus second contractions later, three minutes apart, I called her. After three calls, she was on her way after multiple requests from Rosalie. By now, Rosalie was also requesting the pool, which she hopped into after I'd cooled it down quite a bit. Amazingly, I would say from my end that the contractions dramatically decreased in intensity when she entered the pool. Her choice of position was like a raised child's pose, supporting herself over the edge of the pool. I sat on the other side of the pool offering her coconut water and advice like breathe, relax. At around 3.30 or 4am our midwife arrived which felt amazing. It's not that I felt out of my depth, it's more that with all her experience she was able to offer Rosalie amazing advice like sending her energy down and out with low sounds rather than high screeches. And from there I didn't really move. I sat with Rosalie as she went through each contraction. Most were quite intense, but in others you could really hear and see that big things were happening. Rosalie adopted a low, oh, 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 for each contraction and then sharp, short squeals when baby was apparently shifting and moving down. Rosalie held my hand for support and man, I'd never felt someone squeeze so hard. 
It was nice for me though. It gave me a chance to endure pain like Rosie was. At around 7am, the backup, backup midwife arrived and stuff shifted quickly. I went to the full-blown pushing stage, which I thought was short, but actually ended up taking three hours. Rosie spent most of this on her knees, and it was so different because she would strain and push whilst holding her breath to push the baby down and out. This seemed to go on for ages. Our, med- our midwife kept checking Rosie with a mirror, which I couldn't see, so I had no idea where we were. Things changed again when our midwife asked me if I was ready to catch the baby. By this time I had been holding Rosalie in a squat position which had been more successful open and open than being on her knees. We tried this for ages and the baby just wouldn't move, or when it did it would stay down by the exit gate. I swapped out with the backup midwife and was for the first time able to see a tiny bit of our baby's head. Things slowed down again where you could see a lot of head but not crowning. Rosalie shifted back onto her knees to push. With one of Rosalie's and one of the midwife's hands on the perineum. This was extremely intense as Rosalie was putting absolutely everything into moving baby up but it wasn't budging. This is when our midwife started to suggest Rosalie get out of the pool and try a different position. I saw the backup midwife setting up some scissors and some needles so I was getting quite worried. The midwife went on to tell us later that she was worried too as she hadn't seen a baby's head get stuck for so long before. <clears throat> the instructions to leave the pool fired Rosie up to level which to me is the most incredible feat of human endurance I have ever seen. She changed completely and her pushes became one, ones of live or die. The scream as a perineum stretch was incredible. Her face covered in sweat and her body convulsing exertion, baby finally crowned. A few more and the head was through. With the next contraction, the midwife dived in and helped to pull out the baby as she got a little stuck in with one arm up by her shoulders. She passed me the baby, which was sticky, which I then passed on to Rosie, who had opened her eyes and instantly arrived back on planet Earth. I started laughing with joy, even though I was sure I would cry. And then we sat there with this baby who had suddenly appeared. It was so beautiful and squished, its head elongated from its journey. It took us 15 minutes before we checked the sex. It was a girl, just like I wished. Rosie hopped out of the pool with help and delivered the placenta with a gentle tug on the cord. Rosalie lay down with our new baby, covered in blood and this white sticky stuff. And that was that. I lay here now with the baby on my chest, fast asleep, with me falling asleep too, completely exhausted but too scared that if I fall asleep I will roll over. Soon it will be Rosalie's turn so I can get some much needed rest. I look forward to getting you, getting to know you, baby. You are the love in my eyes. Your dad, X, X.